This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 131 of the Sustainable-ish podcast, the home of imperfect eco-action and lots of inspiring stories. And today is no exception to that inspiring story narrative. I was absolutely delighted to finally get the chance to chat to Sophie Unwin after literally years of following each other online. Now, Sophie is the director and founder of the Remade Network, a Glasgow-based social enterprise with a mission to build a repair economy from the ground up. Through the creation of a network of repair social enterprises that create jobs, tackle climate change and reduce inequality, how's that for another win-win-win situation? Sophie is an absolute inspiration. She's got a brilliant backstory of how she came to be so passionate about reuse and repair and an amazing track record of setting up successful repair projects. Her vision not only for the Remade Network in Glasgow, but also for how this model could be replicated and rolled out to other cities and towns is such a hopeful one and at the same time feels totally doable. Sophie is proving that these enterprises can be viable businesses that contribute to the local economy at the same time as tackling waste and climate change. As I said, inspiring stuff. Do let me know your thoughts on this one. Drop me an email on jen at sustainableish.co.uk. You can tag me on social media. I'm at sustainableish pretty much everywhere or leave a comment on the show notes on the website, which you can find at www.asustainablelife.co.uk forward slash podcast. Now, I can't end without the usual plea to leave a rating and a review for the podcast wherever you get yours. And in the meantime, enjoy and I will catch you next time. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jen. Lovely to be here. Thanks for asking me on. Oh, can't wait to dive into this with you. Can you start off by introducing yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, so my name's Sophie Unwin. I'm the founder and director at Remade Network. And um, we are a social enterprise setting up repair projects um, in Glasgow. Amazing. There's, you, you say that like just one little sentence. There's so much that you're doing. Um, but first of all, you've got quite a sort of interesting backstory, haven't you, as to how you got into this? Can you into sort of repair and reuse and that sort of thing? Can you share that with us? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, years ago, when I was much younger than I am now, I was lucky enough to have a year living in a village in rural eastern Nepal. And uh, it was quite a, it was one of those eye-opening moments in life um, where I'd gone thinking I was going to teach people lots of 
you know, useful information. And actually, um, I learned so much more than I than I taught. But did you go as a as a sort of um, part of a charity scheme? And yeah, that's right. I went as a part of a char- charity scheme to teach English. Amazing. But actually, it was quite a, an interesting experience where the the kind of curriculum we were teaching wasn't necessarily that relevant for these for these kind of young people in this rural community and uh, quite quite remote. It was twenty mm. away from Kathmandu, and it didn't have uh, running water or electricity wow. when I was there. But um, well, there was a very strong sense of community. And um, the thing that I most kind of sh- struck me was that the quality of life I had there was, you know, it was really quite amazing, you know, really good air air quality, a really lovely community. And um, in the year that I was there in, in my household of six people, so there were Nepalese teachers and me and one other British teacher who's my friend, and we created less than one dustbin of rubbish in a year. Wow. So when I came back to, to London, which is where I'm from, I was just really kind of taken aback at the amount of waste we have. And some of the things that were just everyday practice to me in, in the kind of Nepal, because we were living in a community with fewer facilities and reusing, preparing, refilling everything. Mm. For example, going to the market and getting all our vegetables um, unpackaged and putting them in a yeah. shop or going to the shop and refilling our container full of um kerosene oil yeah it kind of made me realize what what a waste you know all that maybe I already knew but it kind of gave me a reverse culture shock mm. and then living in London where, where I'm from in Brixton I just thought there was a lot of people who had useful skills in fixing and mending like for example my neighbor who he used to fix bikes in his front garden Amazing. but he was an elderly Afro-Caribbean guy and yeah. money from it and it just kind of really struck me that the things that we most need in society were other things that we don't really value mm. I kind of started thinking about could we set up a business around repair mm. so people said to me or oh, it will never take off you know Sophie here because repair it's so cheap to buy new yeah can't make it work yeah but I thought there is a market for people want to learn skills so I thought what about if we develop market and repair education Mm. and so I started off in in Brixton with other people there I mean it was a transition town movement actually but um had the idea for doing a kind of repair and reuse center Mm. and um that so the first that was the first one was seeded in Brixton um, where I was working with another woman called Hannah Lewis and we kind of combined ideas and she she's a product designer so she had lots of ideas around remaking mm. so started off by and that became the uh, remakery in Brixton and then moved to Edinburgh and set up the Edinburgh remakery and now moved to Glasgow and set up Remade Network what I'm hoping to do a bit differently in Glasgow than I've done before in London and Edinburgh is create a city-wide model so that it's about embedding repair across the whole city rather than just having one shop. Mm, yeah. And you mentioned that um, Remade Network is a social enterprise. Some people might not have heard that phrase before. If they have, they might not be really quite sure what it means. And I know it's, it, there are lots of different definitions and things, but can you explain what that means or sort of how that means you run the business? Yeah, sure. So what it basically means is, you know, our goal is to... Uh, a kind of business with social and environmental goals at its heart Mm -hmm. and so we make money 
but we make money in order to further our wider goals, mm. supporting the community, um, preventing waste, offering education and training. And so the business side is very, very important because we um, we want to be a viable project, which mm. means not like reliant on grant funding um, predominantly. Mm. And we can then have a bit more freedom to decide our own activity, mm. deliver things we want. The way it works at kind of legally is we have a constitution with an asset lock. And that means that all profits need to be reinvested within the, um, within the project. So lots of people might have heard of repair cafes and might even have one um, sort of locally to them. And I, I you know, think they're all starting up again now after the um, pandemic. But what is it that you do differently or in addition to or how, how, is, how is what you do different to that? Yeah, so we are quite different to a repair cafe, but we have got things in common. Uh, the basic difference is that we are more of a business model. Mm-hmm. Repair cafes tend to um, involve volunteers. Mm. We are looking at creating paid jobs. Okay. That's because we have our social enterprise model. Mm. We do things like we take donations of unwanted computers, we refurbish them and we sell them. Mm-hmm gives us an income stream to do other activities. Whereas a repair cafe, it effectively runs as a kind of event that people can come to and um, uh, learn how to fix things, but it's generally with volunteers. Mm. You could have a repair cafe within one of our projects, but it's it's a different business model. Yeah. So I don't know if you find this, you know, I find this quite a lot. People, the expectation is that if you're doing something, air quotes, good, something for the planet, something, you know, then then it should be free. And there's almost this, oh, you're asking for money. Like, you're, you're, you know, how very dare you to, to charge for that or to ask for money for that. And it almost feels like that there, there does seem to be a, a thing around this expectation that everything should be free. But actually, you mentioned that, that what you do and part of the reason behind having that business model is it creates jobs and green jobs. And yeah. I seem to remember speaking to you before that you had some crazy statistics about the number of green jobs that could be created through having a sort of repair-based economy can you remember what they were <laughs> yeah absolutely well it's it was a study done years ago I remember in America but it showed that repair creates 10 times as many jobs as um, are created through recycling wow so that's that's a lot and actually I did lots of sums around it and research and just looked at the amount of investment that goes into things like large infrastructure projects in the oh. UK, like Hinkley or oh. anything where, you know, the kind of justification is often, oh, but we're creating jobs. Right, yes. You look at the, the sums and you, you're, you're like, well, actually, that's like for every pound, every, you know, million pounds, that's effectively, sorry, I'm not, I haven't got the fingers to my... No, 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 that's fine. I haven't got the fingers at my fingertips, so I don't want to kind of misrepresent. But I think I worked it out that it was something like, repair creates pound pound for pound it's like a huge factor Mm. you know something like 20 to 50 times more wow and these are jobs that will that are then there not just for the duration of building a big project like Hinkley or HS2 or something like that yeah And, and and this is a really important part of the conversation I think because one of the challenges or questions I get asked a lot around sort of you know, this message around reducing consumption and things like that is the, well, well, then what will happen to all the jobs? You know, people, we need to keep buying stuff in order to keep the economy going in order to maintain jobs. 
And that's what um, people might have heard of um, sort of the Green New Deal being talked about in, in the States and to a certain extent over here. And, and this idea that actually there are or there would be plenty of jobs, they would be different jobs. And we obviously need to support people in that transition. But actually, there might even be more jobs if we move to a less consumer sort of disposable society. Is that right? I think that, you know, these arguments are often false arguments. Like the first one you said that people expect everything to be free. Well, I think people understand that if you've got a fair product and a fair service, mm. as long as it's all reasonable. I mean, yes. you see how some companies just totally fleece customers for a really bad service. Like, mm-hmm. we, we don't want to do that. We yes. want to provide a really good service and ch- charge a fair price. And mm. a costing model where, you know, sometimes we do do things for free because we cross-subsidise things across the business. Right, yeah. Or we do bring in bits of funding in order to, you know, if we're working in a really deprived area where there's, for example, in Glasgow, we've got repair kiosks across the city. Now, in the East End, where um, we we get the um, cost of the repair parts subsidised so that people are only paying a quite, quite a small amount for the repair. Right, yeah. You, you know, there's things that we do. And the thing about jobs, absolutely, yes. I mean, I started about 18 months ago in Glasgow. I mean, I've been working on Remade Network for about three or four years. Mm. But actually, the kind of on-the-ground activity mm. started up 18 months ago. And it was me and two part-time colleagues. And now we're 12 um, full-time wow. people, three freelancers, and about to hire another 20 trainees and bring on a three more staff. So... That just shows, mm. I mean, it's been a lot of hard work, but in quite a quick period of time without, up to this point, without any kind of really significant funding behind us. And in the, in the climate that we've had over the last 18 months with yeah. you know, the pandemic and Brexit and all those kinds of things, I mean, that's a phenomenal rate of growth, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of growth. And it's, I think, you know, it shows that there's a need and there's a, mm. this kind of activity. So the shop's been really busy. I've our electrical repair service has been fully booked um, for months. So, you know, we've got a waiting list at the moment. Yeah. So you said that the goal is to create this um, repair economy, I think was the phrase you used in within Glasgow. Yeah. What does that look like? What would I see if I came to Glasgow and and it had this thriving repair economy? What would, what would I sense that was different? What would I see that was different? I think, you know, first thing I want to say is repair isn't a new idea. Like fixing it's already there. Like, mm. you take your car to be fixed. Yes. You take. You might take your Hoover to be fixed. You might take your shoes to be fixed. I'm taking my laptop to be fixed after we finish this. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not that this is a new idea. Sure. What I hope we will do is accelerate that kind of growth so that repair becomes really, really accessible mm. um, and available across the whole city. So you see kind of new often these repair shops that currently exist are like you know one-man bands mm-hmm. sometimes they struggle to to kind of get enough um mm-hmm. you know you might see some bike repair shops or whatever yeah. what if we made repair and also repair skills really really commonplace so it's not just about fixing things for people it's about fixing things with people and people mm-hmm. powered in this kind of funny age that we've got of climate change and all, all the kind of fear that brings up of oh how am I going to cope if Mm, mm. start breaking down and I think one of the answers is that we become more resilient more Mm. confident more empowered and have an ability to look after our things better and to see to see the benefit of that not just being um 
about you know environmental uh, which is clearly a big environmental benefit to mm. because you're um stopping that kind of endless cycle of mm. time but see see also the kind of social and so psychological and community benefits that that brings because it it brings people together um you know to to share skills it's enjoyable mm. Mm. to learn how to fix things yeah You've got a skill as well that you can keep using and using and using. So I think when I say building a repair economy, I I, I would love to see repair embedded across the city everywhere you go. So Mm. that for neighbourhoods, you easily can access repair services, buy refurbished goods, learn repair skills Mm. affordably. It's easy to access. So it's not just, oh, there's this one place across the open for one hour yes it's like how do we get this in every single community so excitingly we have just received some funding for remade where we'll be able to really start that kind of scale up Mm. this funding will allow us to concentrate on four different communities across the city and start a lot of activity there and so what will that look like will there be like a physical place within each of those communities where people can go and get their stuff fixed buy refurbished stuff like how will that how would I access it if I was in one of those communities? Yeah, so we'll be often what we do is we, um, in order to scale up, a way of keeping it kind of an affordable way of doing it, and also an, a way that has community buy-in mm. at the facilities within existing um, community centres. Oh, okay. So in the East End, at the moment, we have one within a pantry and one within a community centre. Yeah. And there's basically open one day a week and people could drop off their items to be fixed. And by scaling it up, when you say what will it look like, it will mean that um, those cities will be open more hours. Yeah. They'll also offer things like we have a project redistributing um, refurbished computers. Mm. So that's something that really emerged out of COVID where we have a, a large contract with Glasgow City Council to uh refurbish their computer stock so they these are computers that that uh for whatever reason need upgrading and yes. ordinarily what would they would have to pay somebody to take them away or how would that work yes exactly that and um, they would normally pay for someone to take them away okay so instead they're paying you guys and you're refurbishing them and then distributing them to people in need yeah and in fact they're not paying us so they've got a, it's a it's a really good deal and it's one that other local authorities could look at they don't pay us to take them away. We refurbish them and then we can either resell them or donate them on. Oh, okay. So, because um, I know, I think, I don't, I'm not sure if it was when you were with Remake Re Edinburgh, like you had a sort of, I think there was an eBay shop actually selling refurbished electricals. Do you still have that so that, you know, there'll, there'll be stuff that you've taken and refurbed and you sell it online or do you try and sell it within local communities? Um, so a bit of both. Mm. Yeah. So this is separate from Edinburgh Makery, which yes. is yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's social enterprise I set up. But we do sell things online, we sell things in person, and we sell things also to kind of public sector bodies. Oh, okay. Because there's been a lot of focus on digital inclusion, which is mm. about computers to people who need them. Yes, yeah. So we got contracts last year through COVID in order to refurbished the computers we had and distribute them to people who needed them like refugee families and parents and things so that was quite a big activity unexpectedly yes but came out of covid and i know quite a lot of communities have started doing that our 
local sort of sustainable Warminster group have a, now have a collection point. I think it's at the local secondary school for, um, you know, donated old tech and, and they a company locally that are, you know, refurbing them and then making them available for, as you say, families who, you know, when it was home learning, if you know, if you needed a, a laptop per child and, you know, who's got that? And, you know, even if you're a really affluent family and it's, yeah, for those families, Absolutely. That, you know, if you've just got a phone, it's hard. Second hand doesn't have to be, you know, second best. And no. So amazing, the perception around things needing to be shiny and new as opposed to the reality of what do you actually need this device? Yeah, well, that's what we did when... Um, last Christmas, actually, my son had just started at secondary school and we had an yeah. inkling that, you know, homeschooling may well be a, you know, a reality yeah. in the near future. And so for Christmas, we literally emailed his school and said, what are the what 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 do we need to look for in a laptop? You know, what's the power and the RAM and all those kind of things that we needed and what yeah. programs we needed on it? And then we managed to find a scheme that was refurbishing them and said, look, this is what we need. And they matched us up with a laptop and we were able to get one, you know, secondhand. It saves us a fortune and it's meant that we haven't had to buy a, buy a, you know, all those resources to make a new one. Yeah. So it's a real win-win, I think. Absolutely. And you look at, you know, we did a carbon impact assessment with um, by a regional development group last year of all the computers we've refurbished. And, I oh gosh, it was, you know, thousands of tonnes of carbon dioxide saying wow. refurbishing and distributing 150 computers. And, oh, gosh, I wish I could remember the figure one I think it was equivalent to something like 6,000 flights from Glasgow to Amsterdam, wow. you know, and it just makes you think we need to change our culture and our thinking around. Yeah. And it's not just the, the carbon emissions either, is it? There's a lot of, um, uh, you know, one of the things that people uh, talk about in relation to electric cars is the sort of precious metals and the conflict materials that are needed to go into the batteries and things. But mm. those exact same batteries on a smaller scale are used in our laptops and things, aren't they? So you know there's a huge amount of resources and often very hard won resources that go into these electronics that we often just sort of dispose of or we don't quite know what to do with if they're no longer working absolutely um the restart project are doing really interesting work on that um i think their website has lots of information about all the rare earth minerals oh wow places because yes when you just look at the work and the energy used and also the human cost of some yeah. of the in which people are working not just for the mining of the materials within the devices but then at the disposal point when things are kind of shipped to these shipped shipped abroad to kind of communities in Ghana how dangerous some of the conditions are where people are dismantling you know toxic waste yeah shouldn't be chucking old laptops in the bin you know we should be salvaging everything yes we should become a nation of wombles yes oh I love that idea yeah (laughs) So you've mentioned the the scheme you've got with um, the council and that's one sort of revenue stream. And then you've mentioned a shop as well. So do you have a central shop? Yeah, so right now we have a shop in the south side of Glasgow on High Street. We have a warehouse and then we have two repair kiosks and then we have several uh, recycling points for tech in places like cinemas and um, clubs and things across the city. So places that people would go anyway yeah 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 oh amazing that's what we have now and then you know in a year's time because we're as I say we're scaling up now Mm. that activity should be more than doubled yeah we'll have four different partners across the city that will have repair kiosks um tech drops and digital inclusion projects so what kind of stuff can people take to the tech drops because you know a lot of the time people have 
drawers or you know a couple of old mobile phones kicking around they don't really know what to do with there's always a drawer full of chargers and leads and things isn't there yeah the statistic is that the average household has 12 items like unwanted tech items in the house and we we take electrical items so the kind of rule of thumb is anything that can fit within a plastic carrier and has a plug could be a hairdryer could be a toaster um yeah anything we'll we'll take it and you'll refurbish all those kinds of things as well well, if we can, we will. Mm. If we can't, we'll um, recycle it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll 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 do the environmentally optimal thing for each yes. subject. Um, sometimes it's about taking away the parts for scrap, and sometimes yeah. it's just about safe disposal. Mm. Some of the items are, you know, very low value. Yes. With a laptop, you 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 do your best to recover it because of the value in it. Mm. A kind of really cheap toaster realistically if it's going to take five hours to fix something that's worth 10 pounds yes. it's really hard to, to to do that but you can at least make sure it's safely disposed of yeah and so what kinds of things are in the shop then what could we find if we went in there if you came into our shop you would find um well you'd find the technicians working away so you'd find on one bench you'd see ross doing electrical repairs and these are paid roles that you've been able to create. Oh, yeah, they're paid. paid. Yeah. He's a full-time paid employee. Amazing. His background is a sound engineer, so he really, really good with things like radio. Yeah, yeah. Amps and um, actually, he lost his job because of COVID, because the you know the events industry mm, just collapsed. Yeah. So he came to us and and he came initially part time in freelance, and now he's full time um, salaried. So that's Amazing. brilliant. And then you might find. Um, uh, Nicole or Emily, they're they're freelance textile technicians, incredibly talented, and they're um, kind of doing all the sewing and mending. So, so people will donate clothes and things as well. So this is no more less for donations, um, but more for actually coming and getting repairs. Oh, okay. So if I if I my jumper's got a hole or my jeans need patching or whatever, I can bring it along and and one of those guys can and I can yeah. pay you guys to fix it for me. Yeah, and then they also do workshops every week. So they do, a, you know, how to use your sewing machine tutorial. Mm. Do workshops in things like visible mending yeah. or uh, kind of different um, repair techniques that they might be able to share. Didn't I see an, an upcycled um, Christmas decoration um, workshop posted on your socials, I think? Yeah, that's been really popular. We sold half the places, I think eight places went in like the first few hours. Oh, wow. Amazing. And it's just really lovely. It's a little Christmas stars made out of uh, discarded fabric mm. and decoration. So we have a Christmas tree up in the shop now. Amazing. I went in yesterday and I was admiring it and my, my team sold me two decorations. <laughs> so that was very successful. They were like, I saw these are really pretty. They're like, which ones do you want, Sophie? <laughs> like, I was like, okay, do you want to buy it? And I was like, okay, go on then. <laughs> I really and just suddenly like, so. a card machine appears in front of your face. I was like, yeah. yes. I was like, wow, you're good. Uh, oh, <laughs> so amazing. But the other things you find for sale, so there's a display at the front and you find, you know, refurbished laptops, mm. uh, desktops. Um, we have some of, through some of our partners, we sell some nice kind of, upcycled fabric so you know face masks mm. and bags and things what else it depends what's on in stock so mm. well we had these really nice decks like mixing decks oh really painted in oh yeah they've just, just been sold wow depends what's it's kind of that's like the treasure trove element of yes whatever's been donated 
Yeah. And so the idea is that in these four communities, there'll be a, a slightly smaller version of one of those in each of these communities. Yes, that's right. So then there'll be five. Yeah, there'll be four in total across the city. Yeah. In the south side, whereas we started off really small, we started within an existing community centre and we only were open two hours a day. Oh, wow. Off service during COVID because yeah. we yeah, yeah, yeah. Like doing loads, but it was COVID so you couldn't have people mingling. Mm. So have a safe way that people could interact. So we just mm. off service. Then it became really popular and we were able to expand to the high street and open up a shop. So it might be that in these other communities you know, that the smaller project that we start with grows organically. But I, I like working organically on things. If you have too much of a preconceived idea of something, mm. you miss out on the opportunities that are actually there. Yeah. The other thing that we, we'll be doing, which I haven't mentioned, which will be kind of an important part of what we're doing, is a, a training programme for young people mm. around repair skills, but more than just practical repair skills, and kind of skills around um, uh, sustainability awareness and kind of... Um, critical thinking you know mm. civic engagement kind of yes. so we're really excited about that because I think sometimes um well for a start we'll have 20 trainees coming over the next six months wow. and they'll be paid the living wage which is yes. brilliant. yes um and we really want we've had trainees in this year we've had we've had 10 trainees already but what we're looking is to just make the experience a little bit more structured and supported mm. So that there's a curriculum around the kind of repair skills. And so we get the right balance between it being possibly accredited, like so mm. it's structured, but also it's not kind of learning by rote and it's it's yes. kind of able to think about some wider critical thinking around where we are as a society and how to engage. And I hopefully presumably the idea is that that these young people will be sort of then skilled up and able to go out and start their own business or social enterprise or you know doing something that that the community and society and the environment needs absolutely yeah we want them to have a progression route that's positive after the training program and we're calling it repair academy oh lush yeah that would be nice and yeah maybe some will be able to stay within we made you know we hope yes we've got a cohort of five in at the moment and we're we're delighted we're able to keep a couple of those on into the new project yeah um, so, you know, obviously, if we can do that, we, we could. But otherwise, there's a lot of work out there, you know, a lot of need. Yeah. Fixing our own things. Can you send one out to sort of each of the major cities in the UK? And this is how we can create this, um, yeah. you know, nationwide um, repair economy. Because, you know, it strikes me that we need we need one of these in every city and every town. But how do we, so somebody sat listening to this and thinking, that sounds amazing. I would love to have something similar in, in my community. I guess the first thing, you know, we're always when you're thinking about having somewhere that's a physical space, it's, it does come down to funding, doesn't it? And finding that space and being able to afford it. Did you start off with some funding to enable you to, to have a space to start with? Or how did that work? I didn't have a lot of money to start off with. So I started off with £10,000. Wow. And... Over the last, you know, three years, have grown it to kind of turn over about three hundred thousand, and should be growing further next year. Mm. I think more important than funding is a solid business plan and solid partnerships, because it's very easy for people to come along as individuals and think this sounds good, but you can't just. I mean, you can do whatever you want, of mm, course, mm. 
if you just have a, a shop and then you're like, oh, I just need some money and then I can open it. Mm. I don't think that's the right approach. I think the right approach is having the buy-in from partners from the beginning, including, if possible, the local authority, mm. some strategic partners, so that you know that you can develop streams of materials quite quickly and you're not just relying on um, you know, individual donations. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously that works quite well in a, in a big city like Glasgow. So Glasgow City Council will have a good stream, I would imagine, of... of- yeah and stuff like that but if you're in a, a smaller town maybe hooking up with a bigger business locally or something like that might work yeah I mean I've, I've just done a feasibility study for North Ayrshire Council about setting up uh, repair centres in North Ayrshire mm. and that's a really interesting one because it's a very rural dispersed mm. large area geographically I think there's always ways forward yeah I, I find it quite hard to say like oh do it this yes way. This is what you need to do, yeah. We've yeah. just published a report, though, which is on our website, which is remade.network. Yes. www.remade.network. And it's about our model for kind of working across the city. So if people are interested to learn more, then mm. a good place to start just to, to kind of read about it. So I will, I will link to that in the show notes so everyone can go and, can go and have a look. Um, do you find yeah. you're inundated with people going, I want to do this where I live, um, tell me what to do? Like, do you, do you find that? No. Oh. <laughs> At the beginning, when I actually set up Remade Network, I was. Right. I was coming, leaving Edinburgh and I had kind of 70 inquiries from around the world. And I went and did an exciting consultancy project in Brooklyn in New York. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I realised that working as a consultant wasn't the way I wanted to go about working. Mm. Because you have very limited ability to kind of design a project as a consultant. You can just right. foundations and ideas. And um, also, I felt that although it was a really interesting project and I was like really lucky to do it and kind of delighted to do it, a beautiful building actually that this woman owned. In, um, and I think it's running really good workshops. Oh, now. So, yeah, um, so it's, it's really great. But I think I, I was like, I really want to do this at scale. Mm. In order to do it at scale, I need partners. And that's mm. Glasgow. Yeah. Lucky that I met people within the city council in Glasgow that were very receptive to me suggesting this yeah supported me with an initial social enterprise grant that allowed me to do a feasibility study and build a business plan wow and that's that's so important isn't it that you know if you are in a position in any business or in you know local authority or anything like that you actually got a huge amount of power to enable a lot of these projects to happen and I think a lot of people's perception is they would approach their county council or their local council and, and you know, a lot of barriers and a lot of blocks and things and actually to find a council that's really progressive and thinking, you know, forward thinking and, and really looking to support projects like this. I think it's just brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had such a, a lot of support along the way and I'm so lucky for that and so grateful for that. I think enthusiasm gets you a long way. So. Yes. But Scotland's, you know, steps ahead of um, England, isn't it, in terms of looking at a sort of zero waste economy and a well-being economy and all those kinds of things, aren't they? So hopefully a lot more doors open to being pushed up there, maybe. I think the climate is is right. Um, I mean, I, I know Wales is doing really well. Yes, Wales is doing some good stuff, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, there's a kind of big expectation, I think, in the coming years that everything will have a, a, a kind of climate lens. Mm. And that does 
definitely um, uh, I don't know what it's like in England because I haven't been in yeah, England yeah. for a while so I don't know how how resistant or how how mm, mm. but yes there is a lot of um there's a lot of framework in place in Scotland certainly and so would you lots and lots of places um or more and more places are having uh, sort of um share shops and sort of libraries of things popping up is that something that you've thought about incorporating into your model yeah possibly um we did um have a collaboration with the glasgow tool library oh brilliant there's always a possibility that they could open outlets as well um, yeah they've had a separate funding stream recently from the scottish government to expand their network mm. it's probably looking at doing they're probably looking at that um yeah and again the difference is just this thing about being a social enterprise so as long as we have partners that want to work in the way we're working we are really open to it sometimes we find with other partners and it's not that it's wrong it's just that it's different yeah they'll say oh no we're waiting till we get funding to right do yeah, 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 yeah. and I'm kind of keen on like well actually let's do a business plan and let's make this more enterprising and about what we're charging and what our services and products mm. I've really noticed it's a different culture than a lot of grant-funded projects and the sharing libraries and things tend to be more, although no libraries are things, I mean, they've got their own model as Mm. well. But I think at the end of the day, they're all brilliant initiatives. They all complement each other. We're super busy and our kind of focus on our USP is Mm. pair social enterprise. Yeah. I think that that thing you said about the, the business model is so important, isn't it? To, because so often when we want to do something good and we're really passionate about something and um, like you say, we sort of, the statement I said to you is like, oh, well, you know, I need, need to get some funding. Well, actually, let's just stop a minute and see if this is a viable business proposition. See if we can make this a, a viable, sustainable business that's going to create jobs and, and, and bring extra value to the community. And it's very easy I think you know I'm someone who I really don't like spreadsheets and figures and stuff like that but forcing yourself to sort of stop and not get carried away with it and um and be able to to put your business hat on is is really super helpful yeah yeah I think it's 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 important and it's important to understand that having your business hat on doesn't suddenly mean becoming really corporate yes yeah 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 you know I find people get excited by remade and it's like because it's got a lot of money you know it's a lot it's it's they're excited because it's a they they the kind of you know the dollars like oh this is a an investment opportunity that equally is a is a kind of angle that I feel completely unhelpful because we aren't doing this to make money we in order to do the things we do yes fundamentally different approach and different philosophy of of how you engage in the world and the corporate uh, culture is so mainstream and mm. in people psychologically, particularly with men, yes. that it's really hard sometimes for them to kind of step off that wheel and imagine that there's a different way of doing things, which mm. is just a different day, way of doing things, doing business. It means a different way of interacting as like human beings. And, yeah. you know, this whole thing about like a caring economy. And um, I think it's, it's really, really hard for oh. to really understand what that could look like. I think in our heads, there's either charity over there doing good stuff or there's 
corporate businesses over here, you know, getting every last penny that they can yeah. and trying to get people's heads around the fact that there's this middle ground, which is what social enterprise is. It sort of blows people's minds sometimes, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think it does. And um, so you mentioned um, partners. So you, obviously you've partnered with Glasgow City Council. Are there any other sort of key partners that you've had that have been really useful? Yes, we've we worked with the Wellbeing Economy Alliance. Who'd oh, be yeah. Great at amplifying our, our, our ideas. Um, because they're obviously doing a lot of the wider thinking around sustainability mm. and so on. We also partner with different community groups. So some of them have been part of a wider network. So sometimes we partner with the networks that they belong to, but effectively, you know, networks of housing associations, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. community trusts, development trusts. Yeah, I think those are the main ones. And then mm. the as well. Yeah, brilliant. So lastly, you're, you're, you're in Glasgow. Obviously, Glasgow has been the focus of uh, the world's attention, uh, or it was um, a few weeks ago, and with COP. You, you said you were really busy in COP. What kinds of things were you, what was, what was your involvement in COP? Oh, well, we did a couple of things. So we did a couple of like um, online meetings and um, hosted a panel discussion that you were part of, Jen. Yes, yeah. Brilliant, which was where we kind of talked about our new report and... It was lovely, you know, to have a whole mix of voices and perspectives um, present. Mm. Really love bringing people together who are interested in remade and who mm. have different expertise to share. Mm. So, for example, we had an academic there, Michael Roy, who's a professor at Glasgow Caledonian University, and you know, really, really interesting, fascinating guy who can talk about social enterprise, but also talks more widely about capitalism and big issues. Mm someone there from one of the uh, the projects we work with in the east end of Glasgow Fiona talking about you know on the ground the services that they deliver to, to people in their community and mm. why why adding in repair in the mix has been you yeah. know good for their community and then you know we had yourself so that was one thing we did and then I spoke at a couple of other events including one at the city chambers on social enterprise and climate and I, I was, I was quite critical of the whole net zero. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, don't know how that went down. <laughs> <laughs> so, explain net zero because it's one of those phrases that confuses a lot of people. I think. Oh my goodness! I don't even know if I can explain. I was just saying, we've only got about ten minutes left, so this is probably a really deep one to dive into. Why don't into. you explain it, and then I'll. My come. understanding of net zero is that uh, a country or a business or even you know an individual household will do. This is this is the ideally what we're aiming for is that they will do everything that they can to reduce their emissions, and then the last chunk that's left that they can't reduce, they will then. Um, offset via funding you know the traditional thing would be tree planting or, or those kinds of things does that sound about right yes that sounds good to me I mean I think and so what's your 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 criticism of that I think my criticism is it's kind of two two things one is like a practical thing and one is more of a conceptual thing so mm. the thing is just that the risk is that offsetting becomes yeah. a Trojan horse that allows lots of polluting activity to be you know cancelled off so theoretically shell or bp or british airways could say we've planted 22 bajillion trees and we can business as usual can carry on that's the 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 kind of um you know i think so isn't it and then i think the other thing is like if you looked at cop what was going on in in glasgow you had kind of what was going on inside the negotiations what was going on outside 
whole kind of protest and world really vibrant mm, mm. where you had you know diversity of voices you know indigenous people uh, many more women um, people of color mm. then you see inside and it's just kind of um pale male and stale we had laura laura yeah. came on last week to talk about her experience of being in there and that's kind of exactly what she said that inside it was just you know white middle-aged or older you know middle class or or more affluent men making all these decisions and then outside we've got the youth and we've got the indigenous people and we've got you know all these massive variety of voices that we really need to be listening to yes and I think I just think it's maybe I haven't got my I I might not have the right language to use in, in this call to kind of adequately explain my position but I just think that so easy to use buzzwords and net zero feels to me like an, uh, the new corporate buzzword mm. really we should be changing our culture which is mm. to kind of boil down into to kind of buzzwords yeah 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 but I think we've got to we're at the heart of the, our approach to climate change has got to be one on um social justice and tackling inequality mm on reducing emissions and my concern is that that isn't adequately reflected in kind of net zero proposals and you see some other proposals that are much more around green new deal feminist green new deal where you've just got the i think we need much more radical thinking at the moment in order to make the kind of scale of changes that 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 we need Mm, and that idea you mentioned the well-being economy like that idea of the kind of a well-being economy and and all those sorts of things yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good thinking out there. It's how we put it into practice. So at least with Remade, I mean, it's only one small thing in amongst a lot of other things. But what I'm hoping is, what I want with Remade is that we we don't lose any of our kind of radicalism and our integrity. We don't water it down. Mm. But we also don't, sometimes what, what I think you find in life is you get really cutting edge projects, but they don't have a lot of traction. Mm-hmm because they're they they struggle to get funding or they're they're so true to themselves Mm. that they you know they're just like a little corner under or you get you kind of mainstream things but then they kind of take on this quite corporate culture Mm. and reinforcing the status quo yeah and what I my aim is that we do something that is really transformative yeah amazing um so I'm sure you get asked this question a lot but you know, what do you want the Remade Network to look like in, say, five years' time? You know, what are your, what's what's your dream for it? Oh, gosh, I don't get asked this a oh, lot. Oh, don't you? I'm just, like, busy doing my job. <laughs> just running along on the hamster wheel. my head, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I mean, I think, like, having a good model in Glasgow, really solidifying that is then something that we can share with other cities. Mm. I'd love to see... I'd love to see a way of sharing the ideas effectively in other cities. Yes. In 10 years' time, maybe we could see the mid-networks springing up in other cities around the world. Um, I mean, that would just be phenomenal, wouldn't it? It would be, yeah, that would be wonderful. Oh, Sophie, you are so amazing. You're so sort of humble and quietly spoken and you're just kind of getting on doing this stuff, but you're so like clever about how you do it I don't know how you maintain that kind of big picture strategy thing and yet still make something really viable and practical and impactful kind of happen 
on the ground. I'm absolutely in awe of what you do. Oh, that's really kind. Well, I have an amazing team. So that's really my my secret at the moment is I have a wonderful team, a uh, great business manager and lots of amazing technicians. And that frees me up to do some of the bigger thinking. Yeah. And the rest of it, a lot of it is persistence. But, you know, do get pushback. There are, you know, especially as we're getting bigger, people mm. want to compete with us. And oh, wow. it's, yeah, it's not all, it's not all sunshine. And not all unicorns and, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us. And I know you've sort of battled your way through with a cold. So um, thank you. For, no, it's <laughs> thank always you for lovely to take the time. Jen, it's, you're an inspiration as well. Oh, no, I don't I feel like I'm doing do. anything. I love what you do. What you I do. love following you on social media and seeing all the things you're getting up to. And yeah, just your kind of persistence at hammering away and like, <laughs> out as well. Like what was the other day you were saying about Oh, just I think you were feeling a bit despondent and weary at seeing things not changing. Mm. And the fact is that you keep going despite that, you know. <laughs> I think lots of us feel like I think lots of us feel like that a lot of the time, don't we? But then, you know, yeah. what's the option? You can't just kind of give up, can you? You sort of I think we have to like encourage that. each other, so, yeah. you know, as much as we can encourage each other. And sometimes when it gets overwhelming on our own, that's that connection is what yes it takes so it's i'm really grateful that you've been so supportive and you know that we've been able to stay in touch because every time i speak to you you've been listening to sustainable ish you wonderful sack of loveliness with me jen gale Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.